Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, there are some things that keep you up at night. Most women know that sleep is important. They want to get better sleep, but they don't know where to start. That's why I created the Sleep Reclamation Project. The Sleep Reclamation Project is a community for those seeking resources, direction, and accountability to make small, lasting changes towards better sleep and living a well-rested life. In the membership, you'll get a monthly masterclass taught by me or a guest expert, a reclamation resource kit with journals, trackers, checklists, and scripts, a monthly live Q&A, a quarterly one-on-one with me, and access to our private virtual community. The waitlist is open for our next enrollment period, which will start on January 26th. For the cost of a few lattes every month, you can get started on your journey to better sleep and living a well-rested life. Head to abbydesjardin.com slash T-S-R-P member to get on the waitlist today. Welcome to Things That Keep Us Up at Night, the podcast. I'm your host, Abby Desjardin, entrepreneur, recovering workaholic, sleep evangelist, wife, and mother of three very expressive, courageous, and assertive girls. I'm on a mission to empower women through better sleep. If you want actionable steps to solve the problems that keep you up at night, you're in the right place. From finances to hormones, parenting to politics, relationships, and business, we'll talk about all of it. Let's get started. No, 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 I can't sleep, I can't sleep, no, no. I actually met today's guest through my husband. He went to high school with Claire and kept telling me about how he thought we should connect. We finally did, and we really hit it off. Claire has been a public educator for 12 years and currently teaches middle school. She's a mom, a wife to a Detroit native, and a lover of all things Pacific Northwest. After leaving her successful network marketing business, she decided she wanted to serve women in a different way. She got her life coaching certification and dove headfirst into personal development and training so that she could help women heal their relationship with their bodies. Now, after coaching hundreds of women on their self-love journey, an international best-selling book called She is Magic 2, and thousands of downloads of the Curvy Collective podcast, she has expanded her reach to work with female entrepreneurs. Her Body Plus business program has helped countless women make more bank in their business. Because let's be honest, you can't make bank if you look in the mirror and hate what you see. She loves brunch, is a Disneyland fanatic, spends as much time as she can with her friends, and is working on her not-so-graceful yoga practice. She's an Enneagram 9 Wing 8, lives and thrives with anxiety and ADD, is an empath, and is the poster child for INFJ personalities. Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I am so excited we could finally make this conversation happen. We've been trying to make it happen for a couple of months now. I know. I love that we've been connected. I feel like I know you, first of all, which is so funny. <laughs> That's kind of the funny thing about social media, right? It's like, oh, yeah, she's my friend. Oh, but I've never met her in real life. Okay, exactly. Yeah. I know. It's so weird, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But yeah, I'm super happy to be here. I love the work you're doing. Love, love, love it. Thank you. So we heard a little bit about you in the bio, but I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Yes, I am. Well, by day, I'm a middle school teacher <laughs> and um, I love, love, love teaching middle school. Of course, this year is such a crazy, crazy year. Yes. Um, but I have been building a business for the last couple of years um, on the side of that. And uh, it's a coaching business. It started out as um, just a general coaching business. Um, when I got my life coaching certification, I didn't really know um, who I wanted to serve. And as I built my business, I realized really quickly that um, entrepreneurs um, specifically that I would work with or come across were really struggling with a lot of the same things, which were kind of that imposter syndrome, um, self-worth. Um, and like most women uh, on this planet, in this day and age, they were, they were looking in the mirror and hating what they saw. And, um, long story short, I basically figured out like, you cannot build a business if you're going to war with your body every day, period, full stop. Um, oh my gosh. So true. We're, we're preaching the same message in a different way. <laughs> yes, totally. It's like all these things go together, right? All the things go together to create a successful business. And I think, there are these myths out there that say, like, if you just have the right systems and processes and the right marketing in place and you know who, you know, you know who your niche, your your niche is, then you're all good. And I'm like, you know, I just don't think that's it. Like, and, and for me, it came from doing the work myself, you know, yeah. like as, as I did the work on my own self and body love, um, I realized that um, this was work that every woman needed to do. And the great part is, the work that I do with entrepreneurs is the same work that I do with women that come to work with me that are not entrepreneurs, right? Because we all, we all need this work around self-worth, um, radical self-love and not the kind of body love that you look in the mirror and you like talk about how you love your thighs until you love your thighs, right? Like that's not, <laughs> we're not, you know, I'm not like an affirmation heavy coach. Um, so anyway, so I, yeah, so I work with women, mostly female entrepreneurs, um, a lot of whom are la just launching their businesses. Um, a lot of my clients right now on my roster are people who are like right at that beginning stage, um, who are just like have had the idea on their heart, are ready to go, but are scared. You know, yeah. all that fear comes down to, I don't think I deserve it, right? Or I'm not sure I'm worthy of charging what I'm going to charge for my services. Yeah, um, and that's where the magic happens because once they get through that, man, they launch and it's like, I just wish I had had it when I first started. You know, <laughs> like, oh shoot, I guess I'm being the person that I needed a few years back. So, I feel like that's probably most of us, right? Like, you totally. teach what you need the most. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's purposeful, right? Like, yeah, it's like finding your purpose. Well, if you once you kind of know yourself and understand your story a little better, I think it's easier to find that, you know? Yeah. So 
We do hear the term radical self-love a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of one of those buzzy things right now. So I'm wondering, tell us a little bit more about what that means to you. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, So when I started, I called myself a self-love coach. And um, people would come to me and say, hey, I really hate my body. Can you help me? And I'd be like, sure. And we would get into our sessions and I would realize very quickly, and I didn't know this was going to happen. This wasn't really mm-hmm. the plan. Um, we get into our sessions and I would quickly realize that the messages about our body that we've taken on is truth for so long, which is you're not worthy unless you're thin, essentially, is the message. Yeah. Um, that was just scratching the surface for us. That was just scratching the surface. And it was always about so much more than just our bodies. And I think that what I realized was as adult women, after taking on decades of, you know, just a barrage of messages of like, you know, thin is best, young is best, to be honest, white and straight are best, right? Like, let's Mm -hmm. just get real honest here. Um, it's, it's really, really hard to believe that you're worthy of anything that you want. And so the body is a really easy kind of scapegoat, I think, right? Because it's a lot easier to hate my body than it is to come to the realization that I have some pretty serious trauma that I've never dealt with that have really, that's really maybe shaped my view of myself, right? Um, Or I have these moments in my life that I, whether they're about my body or not, that, uh, that I need to work through, right. That I need to heal. And so when I say radical self-love, I'm talking about, you know, working with every version of yourself that has been hurt and telling her the truth Mm -hmm. about that pain, telling her the truth about the messages that she took on as, as bullshit. Really it's bullshit, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, no, I go for it. <laughs> um, like, I can always bleep it out later. Um, but, you know, it, I think we take it on for so long that it becomes our truth. It becomes yeah. our truth. And we forget that it wasn't even really about our body in the first place. And so um, we cover it up with our body. So a lot of women come to me and they're like, you know, I really, I just, no matter how much weight I lose, um, I just, I really hate what I see in the mirror. Um, and then we get down to it and it's like, you know, I have a client recently who was like, my dad used to call me stupid when I would sit and do my homework when I was like eight years old, you know? And it's like, Oh, okay. So that's where our messages of, of like a lack of worthiness started. Right. But the other thing about radical self-love, the radical self-love is kind of going and loving every version of yourself in the way that she needed. Right. Yeah. Um, And understanding that it's so much more than just body. But the other part of it is this idea, and honestly, to be completely transparent, I'm still developing this idea in my mind, um, but it's just this idea that we are our own home base. Like, mm-hmm. there is nothing outside of us that can provide everything we need. There's nothing outside of us. Yeah. We have everything we need inside of us, and we have learned not to trust that. We have learned to believe that that is not true. We have learned to depend on things outside of us 
And I think that the final frontier of a loving relationship is trust. Yeah. And I don't think that there's enough work being done on self-trust, right? Self-love is a buzzword. Um, body love is kind of a buzzword. And I think to me, what makes it radical is that we don't depend on anything or anyone outside of us for our own well-being, for our own um, state of gratitude, for our own um, happiness, joy, pleasure in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you're so right about being taught not to trust ourselves. And Mm -hmm. It's all about power, right? If mm-hmm. people, the people in power can make you question um, yourself, then mm-hmm. you are kept small. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it's, it serves its purpose perfectly for them. Yep. And it's scary mm-hmm. um, when women start to question that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think I've been reading a lot about, I don't know, this might sound weird, but I've been reading a lot about the witch trials. Oh, yes. It's so fascinating. Oh, my gosh. It's so fascinating. (laughs) And and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I had a past life as a witch because I feel so, like, connected to this. Um, And when I say witch, I don't mean, you know what I mean. I don't mean the visual that we all have in our mind of a witch. Well, that Um, was created, right? It's exactly all part of the story. Yes. Well, and I think that that is, reading about that really has kind of, for me, I think, taken me to the next level of understanding, like, Oh, this, this is a power move. It's always Mm -hmm. been a power move because men, quite frankly, have always been afraid of our power, women's power. And, and so, oh my God, we have to do something to keep them small. We have to do something to keep them quiet and accommodating. And you know what I mean? And so I think that, um, the witch trials to me were just, it's just a reminder that like when women rise up and are, are taking up space, figuratively and uh literally i think it's i think it's easy it's really easy to see that that is part of this whole system that keeps women locked down as much as possible and my 37 year old self is like oh no oh no we're not doing that anymore like that's not i'm not here for it we're we're going to change that you know yeah and i think it's you know, so funny that in this kind of journey towards self-trust and self-acceptance, um, it's really easy to judge yourself that it's not going on the, like, fast enough or, you know, like we yeah. have these judgments on this journey. But I think it's so important to remember that we're, like, working to undo hundreds of years mm-hmm. of programming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it is not overnight. It's not linear either. It's not just like, oh, first you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you're healed, right? right. It's, it's um, I mean, I still wake up some days and struggle with all the things that I coach my women, my my clients on, you know? And um, I think that it's just about taking the step of unlearning, right? I think, yeah. I think that step alone is so, so powerful. I mean, I, I talk to so many women who, when I explain you know, what we're talking about, whether it's the witch trials or the origin of diet culture or whatever it is, it's people, they don't know, you know, it's like, not yeah. only have, not only have we been kept small, but we've also been kept in the dark mm-hmm. about how that all happened. And it's like, no, we need to start reading. We need to start digging in about this because I mean, I think it's one of the most important shifts we need to make, you know? 
Well, and I honestly think our society depends on it. Like, mm-hmm. If we keep going down this, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it these days, but if we keep going the direction we're going, things will keep falling apart. So we need yeah. something different. We need a, a shift in the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think, I, I feel like it's maybe, well, I don't know, but I feel like it's maybe starting to, to come alive a little bit. Um, I think women are waking up a little bit more. I think um, you can see it in government, but you can mm-hmm. also see it in, you know, you can see it in your everyday lives where women are starting to just simply like the simple act of like asking for what you need. Yeah. You know, like just that. The other day I had a client tell me, I'm having conversations with my husband that I've literally never had before. And it's because I finally believe that I deserve to ask for what I need. And like, and it's so profound to hear that and so wonderful. And also I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. That we, that we don't believe are worthy of asking for what we need. Men have no problem asking for what they need. They have no problem. Or just taking it. Right. Yeah, they're even <laughs> like, like, let's get asking yes. out of there. They just take yeah. it a lot of the oh time. Oh my gosh, you're so right. That's so true. Yeah. Yep. And oh. it's so infuriating. It's so, so infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're on a reel of all the times men took something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I get it. Um, so I want to talk first a little bit more about this idea of blaming your body, because I think that not liking what you see in the mirror is one part of it, Uh but then there's the other part. If you're someone who is chronically ill or, you know, whatnot, Uh that then you have this hatred of your body because you feel like it's failing you. Uh Do you come mm-hmm. across that a lot in the people that you're coaching? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And um, I mean, I I would say that was my experience myself. Um, in, I, well, my whole life, really, because I was told, first of all, at a really young age, I remember going to the doctor and I'd hurt my knee playing basketball. And mm-hmm. she told me that if I had just lost, if I was, if I didn't weigh so much, that maybe my knee wouldn't have gotten injured. Oh, geez. That's helpful. So, I mean, like. So bad. And I, so I remember early on thinking, oh, okay, so it's my fault, right? So everything that happens to me, everything that happens to me is because of my weight. And listen, like I've been the big girl my whole life. Like I I came out of the womb, you know, like a, like a large Italian grandmother. Like that's just like, (laughs) like how I've always been built. I'm, I'm convinced like, that's just how I always look like no matter, even if I lose weight, gain weight, whatever, I just feel like I always look like this big Italian grandmother. And I'm, I've come to terms with it. I'm so okay with it. But when I was little, I didn't understand that that wasn't okay until I started getting those messages. Yeah. Right? And so um, absolutely, that was something that I blamed myself for. And then I had a really um, long traumatic birth experience. And um, I was not in control of it at all. Like I, everything was completely out of my hands. Mm-hmm. And I came out of that totally blaming myself and my body. Like if I just, if I just wasn't this big, like maybe it would have been easier, you know? Um, and the truth was like my body, the size of my body had nothing to do with the fact that my kid was just not coming out. Like he didn't want to come out, you know, period. And so, um, this has been something that has been a theme in my life. 
And I think that it comes back to that idea of our body is the scapegoat, mm-hmm. right? Our body is the scapegoat. We can't, we can't blame the system. Like it's really hard to blame the system because the system, it's almost like it's too big. Like right. where do you even start? And right? out of your control. Yeah. Or it feels out of your control. Absolutely. You have no control over it anyway. So it's like, why would I even do that? Right. Um, it's too hard and too sad to deal with some of the really hard truths around maybe the people in our lives that have hurt us or the messages that we've taken on as truth that have really damaged us, mm-hmm. um, whether it's about our body or not. And so it ends up being a really easy, not easy, really kind of surface level scapegoat to go, this is all my body's fault. It's failing me. Mm-hmm. And I would never discount somebody with a chronic illness or anything. I mean, you know, that, that stuff is real. I know. And I have clients who have those and who are living and suffering and thriving right with that. Yeah. And, um, and I think the journey here is understanding, and, and this is a, this is a stretch. This takes a lot of work, but the journey is coming to an understanding that like, no matter what our situation is, we can create the story around it. Yeah. And it's really easy to create a blame story. Um, It's not as easy to create a story that says, you know, my soul chose this path and things are happening for me and not to me. And what do I need to do? How can I Mm -hmm. pivot? You know, how can I pivot? How can I see this differently? Um, even on my worst of days, even when I have weeks and weeks of a flare up, or even when I have weeks and weeks of whatever it is, um, having a hard time understanding why, you know, the why mm-hmm. I feel like is not really our job. No. I, I really, I really feel like if we spend our life chasing after why things are happening to us, we're missing all the things that are happening for us, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's just really working hard at changing the story and changing the trust that you have in your body. Because I actually do believe that we can change the physiology of our body. I I 100% believe that. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Um, I've done it myself, you know, and, um, and I know that that's not the case for everybody, but I do, I do think that there's a message around, I can't change the event. I can, I can change the story, you know, right. I create around it. Right. And I think, you know, I suffer from kind of chronic pain essentially. And mm. when it gets really bad, it's so easy and automatic to go to like, I want a new body, you know, I want a mm-hmm. new neck. Can I get a neck mm-hmm. trans, you know, like go yes. into that? Like why me, it, wouldn't it just be easier if I could just replace that? And it, it takes a lot of work to like step back mm-hmm. and say like, this is happening. What mm-hmm. can I do to help my body try to feel better? Mm-hmm. And like trying to kind of dissect, um, you know, if there was a certain behavior, if I, 
uh, didn't move my body enough or, you know, like what, what happened leading up to that? What did I not give myself when my body was asking for it that led to this and then trying Mm -hmm. to change it next time? Right. Absolutely. And I do think, I think that's great. And I also think that our body has taken on so many years of loathing Mm -hmm. and criticism. And I think there's something to that from an energetic standpoint. For sure. She has taken on so much hate. And no matter what size we are, right? This is not exclusive to big women. Like every size, I mean, I've worked with every size in the book and they all say the same thing, which tells me, guess what? It's not about our bodies. Yeah. Yep. It's about the stories we tell ourselves about our bodies. It's about the messages that we've taken on as truth that aren't actually true. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's really powerful when you think about it that way to understand that like, okay, I, I have spent my life hating my body. Mm -hmm. And what if I, I mean, if I think of her as a child, right? Like that little girl who starved herself in middle school right? Who didn't eat, didn't eat, didn't eat, didn't eat. And then would get so hungry. She'd eat like a whole bag of Cheetos. Yeah. What does she need? She doesn't need more hate, right? Whether it's yeah. in a, whether it's in a chronic pain flare up or a, or a um, autoimmune or whatever it is, or if it's just, I'm getting in a bikini and I'm just talking, you know, mad shit to myself when I'm standing in the mirror, right? She doesn't need more of that. We wouldn't say, Oh, that kid's hurting. Just tell her how terrible she is over and over yeah. again. Yeah. We would never we would never do that to a friend. We would never do that no. to our kids. Or at least I hope not anyway. Like right. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. When somebody's um, in pain, we we offer them what they need, right? Yeah. Or if we don't know what they need, we at least just offer them love and understanding. And I think that's how you build trust. Like, body, I love you. I know this sucks. We're in this together. You know, mm-hmm. almost like you're personifying her. You know? Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about one of the tools that's been used probably for a really long time, but it's been really prevalent for the last several decades. Um, Diet culture. How does diet culture play Mm. into all of this? Oh, my gosh. I mean... (laughs) My first answer in my head was, how does it not? Like, it's, <laughs> it's just like every, every moment. Um, so diet culture was, um, diet culture is the belief that thin is best, essentially, mm-hmm. to put it very simply, right? And um, it places a moral value on thinness. And when you read about it and research it, which most people have not, again, because it's being hidden, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very intentional that we don't know about this. Um, but when you read about it, you learn uh, that at the core of diet culture is racism. Yeah. And um, it's like this, this idea of uh, this, like us and them idea. And, um, and so the bot, and I won't go into that. That's a big long, that's like another episode. <laughs> so, like, I was going to say, yeah. that's a, we could talk about that for days. Oh my gosh, days. But um, a, a really great place to start is the is the book called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison or um, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee. Yes, Taylor. such a good book. Um, such, I mean, like life-changing book. Um, so if you want to read about that, absolutely do that. But the bottom line is we 
have grown up in a world that believes that smaller bodies are morally better than bigger bodies, period. That's, yeah. that's, that's the world we have grown up in. And so everything that we see, everything that we hear is a reiteration of that message, mm-hmm. right? And so um, whether it is uh, a commercial that we see, whether it is a TV show with all white, straight, thin people, mm-hmm. um, whether it is characters in a book, um, it's, it's all, all you see is this idea that like thin people get the best stuff. And, um, when you think about it, when you think about people that live in bigger bodies, let's say actors, for instance, you know, I think about like Jack Black, I think about, um, what's her name? Rebel Wilson. Yes. Yes. Um, like they all play a very specific role in the movies that they're in. They are rarely the leading character. And they're expected to be exceptionally funny and entertaining at all times. Yes. Yeah. They're either funny, stupid, or the villain. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what we see there, what we see and what we learn is that, oh, fat people are always, first of all, they're never the lead. They're never the lead character. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they're, they're always supposed to be funny. Um, a villain or stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like that's that's why I learned how to be funny because I was like, oh, all the fat girls I see are funny. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and learn how to be funny. That's how I get um, people to accept me. Yeah, and it's how I get people to see anything other than the fact that I'm fat. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if I can put if I can put everything else forward. If I can put everything else in front of me, whether it's my charming personality or my sense of humor or my um, all my achievements or being super responsible, um, then maybe they won't see that I'm the fat girl. But it's like, spoiler alert, people have eyes, you know, yeah. it's like, like that is the first thing they see no matter what. And so I think my point is here that like I worked so hard to undo that message for other people when I should have been undoing that message for me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's diet culture. Diet culture is feeling like we have to eat certain food. We have to restrict all the foods to get thin. Diet culture is going on a diet simply to have a smaller body and not for any other reason than, than that. Um, diet culture is thinking that there are good foods and bad foods. Yeah. Um, diet culture is, um, you know, all the fads we see, I mean, you know, we grew up in the nineties, right? So oh, we grew up gosh, with fat free yeah. everything, diet Coke, you know, um, Weight Watchers wow. is rampant. And I'm not here to say like, don't lose weight. That's not my message. That was going to be my next thing. There's, you know, there <laughs> are the, the naysayers who, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've heard it all, but it's the, you know, you're glorifying obesity and that's oh, yeah. unhealthy and blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it's like, that is not what the message is here. No one no. is saying don't take care of your body. That's not what we're saying here. Absolutely. And I think that that is diet culture, right? People yeah. tell I get trolls all the time saying stuff like that. Um, and diet culture is, is the thing that makes people go, 
oh, you're showing up confident, loving yourself in a big body. Um, you must be glorifying obesity. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am showing up not saying anything about health. That's not true. I talk about health. Um, but I'm not, I'm not showing up here saying, look how healthy I am. That's not my message. Mm-hmm. That's not my job. That's somebody else's job. And most of the people that are doing it, to be honest, are doing a really shitty job at it, you know, yeah. because they're showing up in these like teeny tiny bodies and they're at the gym every day. And none of that is, none of that is healthy either. You know, um, what my message is, is that you can show up today, however you look, whatever your body size is, and you can appreciate love, accept, respect yourself. We are worthy of that love, regardless of our body size. I didn't say one damn thing about weight loss. I didn't yeah. say one damn thing about health. All I'm saying is that you and you and you and you all deserve to, sh- to show up and, and, and receive love, either from yourself or from people around you or the universe. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. And I think it's such a hard oh, thing, yeah. too, because then if you ever you know, go on the journey to figure out what food feels good in your body when you eat it and what food does not, you know, it's, it's this fine line, right. Of tuning in and really paying attention versus being restrictive and controlling about it. Absolutely. Which is why I feel like I'm really trying to hone my message in on like self-trust. Yeah. Like part of that. And that's why it's the final frontier because we trust everybody else before we trust ourselves. Right. And so Mm -hmm. understanding that like, it's okay. And it's safe for me to release some weight from my body. If I feel like my body needs that, not because I want to look a certain way, but because I, I can feel that my body, in fact, I'm in that stage right now. I can feel that my body is carrying around weight that it doesn't need. Mm -hmm. And, and understanding that like, I don't have to punish myself for it. I don't have to do anything other than let's figure out what feels good here. Yeah. Like, cause I've been, I've been so happy eating all the treats for the holidays, <laughs> but also like now I feel like shit. And so exactly. it's like, it okay. feels really good going in, but <laughs> yeah, on the other side, it's like, Ooh, like, I don't think I should have had all that cheese, you know, but it's like, I don't, I'm not punishing myself for it anymore. Um, I'm accepting it and I am making the necessary pivots so that I can feel better. Right. And, and feeling better includes so many things that are not being smaller, mm-hmm. right? It includes sleep. I mean, you know that, right? It includes sleep. It includes energy and hydration and moving your body and all this stuff, all the stuff that, you know, um, completes the stress cycle mm-hmm. that we never learn about. We don't learn about how to do that, you know? And so I think um, in the beginning when I would feel that, I would, or even when I would talk about it, you know, people, would, I would get messages like, wait a second, I thought you were body positive, <laughs> you know, like you can't be on a diet. I'm like, first of all, I'm not on a diet. Second of all, I'll never go back on a diet yeah. in my life. Yeah. But um, but second of all, we all need to be allowed to do what feels good to us. And if I'm walking around in a body trying to be the best version of myself today, and I feel like I need more energy, or I feel like I'm really sick of my knee hurting or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Um, chronic pain or autoimmune, like all that stuff can be solved, not solved, but all of that stuff can be um, assisted and, and made better sometimes with different food choices, with moving our body, with hydration, with supplements, with whatever, Yeah, you know? And so it needs to be 
It needs to be, and again, it's this power move. And women do it to other women. This is the thing. It's a power move that women have learned to do to each other now. Mm-hmm. And so now women are criticizing other women when they're not fitting in this box. Wait, you're the fat girl that talks about body positivity. You can't go on a diet. Right. Wait, you're the thin girl who goes to the gym all the time. You can't be eating cupcakes all the time. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, it's like th- that, that we have to, it's like, it's almost like we all have to level up to the next level of like consciousness around that. Right. It cannot be this boxed thing. It needs to be this level of self-trust that we all have to pursue and we have to trust that everybody else is pursuing whatever journey that they need to pursue. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. If there's somebody out there who is really, you know, today's episode is resonating with them and they really want to take that first step, what advice would you give them? Oh man. Um, I would say change your social media feed. So that you see different size bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's, I think we need to normalize and not just like, I don't just mean like, you know, white, straight, size eight to 10 women. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't mean that, I don't mean that to, to sound critical of, of any woman that is size eight or 10. Right. That's not what it's, that's not what it's meant to sound like. Um, but I think there's a lot of noise out there about loving your body and normalizing bodies and, and normalizing all bodies means normalizing all bodies. Right. And so I need to feel comfortable when I see a size eight woman and I need to see comfortable when I see, need to feel comfortable when I see a size 24 woman. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And women of every color, you know? So I think, I would say that that kind of um, curating my social media feed helps me a lot. That's probably one of the first things I did to go on this journey um, because we're so visual, right? We're so, mm-hmm. so visual. And it just validates the fact that like, oh, my body is normal, right? Because there's yeah. other people that have my a body like mine. There's other people that have bodies smaller and bigger than mine. And it's all good. It's all good, right? So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, really understanding where all of this bullshit comes from. You know, I think it's easier, it's easier to read about that than it is to go inward first. I think going Mm -hmm. inward first is really heavy. And I think um, it's really important to have some guidance around that, whether it's a coach or a therapist or, um, or whatever. I think it's really important to have some guidance around, around your, your journey inward around all these messages. So reading a book like the body is not an apology or reading a book like anti-diet um, is going to give you a lot of really, um, a lot of great, like touchy feely information about you and your body, but it's also going to give you a lot of information about where this all comes from mm-hmm. and like why we all have spent our entire lives, um, being small or chasing after small, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and having this like this air around us of like, nope, not good enough yet. Still not good enough. Still not good enough. Still not, you know, like you're not quiet enough. You're not nice enough. You're still not small enough. Oh, you're now you're not young enough. Oh, now, you, you know what I mean? It's like this constant. So understanding where that comes from um, and understanding that that's, that's a systemic thing that we have to break down in our own minds um, yeah. is really, and again, it's not, it's not as personal as the inward stuff. 
right? And so mm-hmm. those first steps, I think, include just a little bit of learning, you know, just a little bit of like, where does this come from? Why have I been doing this to myself? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. yeah and I think, yeah, it just the awareness and willingness to take that step is the first step, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think just, yeah, finally, I think being kind mm-hmm. of fed up, right? Like I think a, a lot of women that come to me are kind of at their uh, at that step of like, I'm just so sick of hating myself all the time. I'm so sick of yeah. that. Like, what do I, and I'm always like, yay, that's so great. <laughs> like, you don't need to hate yourself all the time. Yeah. Let me tell you why. You know what I mean? It's so, so absolutely. It's just um, that the pursuit, but the, the pursuit of that is so, so the first step is so important. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners before we wrap up? Um, you know, something that comes up in every session, in every workshop, in every mastermind I've ever done is this idea of, you know, would you treat other people, people that you love, would you say those things, um, to those people that you love? Things that you say to yourself, would you mm-hmm. say them to people that you love? People go, people go, no, of course not. Like, of course I wouldn't yeah. be that critical, right? Yeah. Um, for moms, this is especially relevant, I think, because it's really easy to say, would you ever say that stuff to your baby? Mm-hmm. You know? But I think the more relevant and the more profound messages, it doesn't matter who you believe that about if you don't believe it about yourself, you cannot spread this message of worthiness to people that you love when you don't actually believe that you are worthy yourself of all the things that you want. And the truth is that nothing, there are no prerequisites for your worthiness. There are no prerequisites for the love that you deserve from people around you, from the universe, from whatever, whatever source you want to go, whatever source you want to get that love from, um, from yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There are no prerequisites other than the fact that you were born and that you woke up today. Yeah. Like you're not done. You're not done. And so this life at the end of it, we don't want to have spent it chasing after being thin yeah like you're not going to be on your deathbed being like oh I'm so glad I never ate any cookies no <laughs> that's you know what I mean like I'm so glad I did such a great job avoiding carbs my whole life like you know and I say that jokingly but like that's that's what really happened yeah right? I'm like I don't I don't want to get to the end of my life whenever that's going to be and go man I wasted so much of my time and energy on trying to be thin. Yeah. Right. And so just the idea of coming back to yourself and understanding that like I was born worthiness is my birthright. That's all I needed to do to be worthy here. Your soul chose this path and there's a reason you're here. And sometimes the reason is simply just the healing, you know? Um, so embrace that. I would just say embrace that and know that, um, there's a lot of support out there. And, um, the first step, like you said, Abby is just understanding that, okay, I'm ready to learn more. Yeah. I'm ready to explore this a little bit more. Oh, well, 
Claire, thank you so much for all of your time and sharing your wisdom. My pleasure. Will you please tell people where they can find you online? Absolutely. I am at Claire Hamill on Instagram. Um, That is where I hang out the most, I would say. Um, Facebook is Facebook and I have a little bit of a contentious relationship. It's like a one <laughs> situation right now. Um, but I do have a Facebook, a free Facebook group called the Curvy Collective. Um, and the link for that can be found in my Instagram bio. And so um, that's where I do some, you know, just some free coaching. And we do um, card pulls over there with my spirit animal deck. We do all kinds of stuff in that group. So um, I, anybody is welcome in that group and, um, it's a really, really wonderful community. So, um, open invitation to that. My website is clairehamill.com, but it is under construction. So, so awesome. that's to find Instagram <laughs> for sure. I will put all those links in the show notes too, so that okay. people can access them there. Sweet. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Claire, thank you so much for your time and I will be back next week with an all new episode. Thanks for listening to Things That Keep Us Up at Night. If you liked this episode, please visit us at thingsthatkeepusupatnight.com or subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. No, 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 I can't sleep, I can sleep.